Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and Matthew chapter 14. God gave us logic, right? God gave us a brain to use, right? God wants us to use that brain to think logically. Um, so let's go through some logic on our beliefs. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 17. The Bible says, Then we, that's those that are in the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know what we're going to do as believers? We're going to fly through the air. Now let's think about that logically. Does that make sense? No. I guess I shouldn't believe it. Or does the Bible stand? Amen. See, logically that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to go out and fly through the air now. But the Lord says... If I don't die, I'm going to be caught up to meet him in the clouds. All right, go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. Matthew 14, verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Okay. Peter walked on water. Try telling that to somebody that doesn't believe the Bible. Logically, we can use our brains. That doesn't make any sense. Go and try it. But Peter did. Now the Bible stands. I believe it. I read it. I believe it. Do you believe it? By faith, not by logic. Moses he lifted out his rod, stretched forth his hand, and he parted a sea. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But if the Bible stands, it's true. It's swallowed up an Egyptian army. Come on. God sent manna down from heaven. You're telling me that I, I have to believe that God sent food down for people to eat. Come on. By faith, though. Amen. These are hard things to believe logically. I got another tough one for you. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3. Which, by the way, if, 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 if you haven't witnessed to anybody one-on-one -on -one because you're afraid that you don't know what to say, a lot of people want to tell people about the Lord, but they're just afraid. Just go and open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and let the Bible do its job. But it says, For I delivered unto you, in verse number 3, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You mean to tell me some guy named Christ died for our sins? And I'm supposed to believe that and go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 22. And I'm supposed to believe when the Bible says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. Christ shed his blood, died for our sins. Think about that logically for a minute. That's some wacko crazy stuff, man. It logically doesn't make sense. I believe it by faith. It happened. 100% guaranteed. Is there anything logically or scientific about that? Can any of that be proved using a scientific method? I don't think so. Unless you were there as an eyewitness, that's right. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now the faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Get Matthew chapter 24, because now we're going to start. That was the introduction. Get Matthew chapter 24. And before we get into the message this morning, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here, meet freely. Lord, I do pray that you help me be honest, truthful, and also in the right way, the right attitude. Help me deliver your truth in a way that's understandable, in a way that's edifying to your saints. Give you all the glory and praise, Lord. Pray that you have the preeminence and the proclamation of your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. All that stuff that we went through that we can't prove logically or scientifically Believing that God preserved His Word for us to have and to hold in our hand is on the list of logic and easy believism, if you want to call that. This is the easier thing to believe. Okay, we're going to fly through the air like Superman. We're super Christians. Or God inspired and but God promised to preserve His Word and He did it. We can hold it right here and read it. Which is easier to believe? Yet, people don't believe that simple truth. Can I 100% prove it to you scientifically and logically? No, it's by faith. But I have more evidence on this than in any of the things that we mentioned. God inspired His Word perfect. Now stay with me. In the originals, right? 
But then he lost his power after that. I don't believe that. I believe the same God that preserved his word in the originals, wherever they are, and I can hold it today right now in my hand because it's God. It's God. I don't believe that God lost his power to preserve his word because my faith isn't in a king named James. My faith isn't in scholars. My faith isn't in Matthew or Mark or Luke or Moses or Paul. It's not in any of those people at all. It is in God Almighty. And my faith in His promise. You heard this. I've heard this. The King James only crowd. And some people will say, well, I'm not King James only, but I only use the King James. And then there's fighting that goes back and forth. And these fights have gone on for decades. So you know what I say? I'm a perfect Bible man. What do you mean by that? I believe God promised to preserve His Word. And I believe that we have a perfect Bible that we can hold in our hand, look at it, read it, and believe it. Are you King James only? If that's what you want to call me, fine. I believe in a perfect Bible. Perfect Bible. We should take a perfect Bible approach. Why? God's promise. Number two, people will reject that. You know why they will reject it? They don't want an authority over them. In my opinion, a lot of times, that's what the battle comes down to. If there is no perfect Bible, if the Bible I have, the King James Bible, has errors in it, and there's no Bible out there that is correct, well, ultimately, I can be my own authority or the guy that's correcting the Bible is the authority. There ultimately isn't a book that we can go to and say, that's the authority I'm not. That's why I'm with God helping me, Lord willing. This is not about a preacher. This is not about people. This is not about a program. This is about a living Savior who preserved His Word and we can find truth in His Word and that's how His church is built. Not on footers made of concrete. Not on a foundation made with rock and concrete. But Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone and Jesus Christ and His Word and His church being the pillar, that type of pillar, and the ground where truth is preached and truth is learned. Where else are the kids going to go to learn truth? A psychedelic, whacked-out college professor who thinks we evolved from monkeys? That's sick. God's church, His church. His church. People don't want to be subject to the Bible. All right, get Psalms chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12. 
What if there really are mistakes in the King James Bible? People tell me this all the time. I don't know if you've been told this, but apparently there's mistakes in the King James Bible. So instead of me playing ping pong scripture verse game, I say, okay, there's mistakes in it. What do you want to trade me with? You know, like we used to trade baseball cards growing up in the 80s. Baseball cards were a big thing. And, you know, you, and football cards too. I should have never traded my Mike Schmidt card, but I did. I did. And what did you do? You traded up because if you didn't have all of the cards in a set, because that's how they sold them in sets, and there were these boxes about this wide, and they were like this long, depending on how many players they made cards. Well, you would collect each one. So you would try to trade up to get the player that you didn't have. And certain cards were worth more. Now, there was no written rule on this. It's just that all the kids in the neighborhood got together, and you knew based on who was good, oh, I can get two or three cards for this one player because he's nobody, but I need him to complete my set. We traded to try to get better. What are you going to trade? What are you going to trade? Okay, so there's errors in, in my Bible. Okay, great. What are you going to trade me? They don't have anything to trade me that's better. Nothing. So why don't you just believe by faith that God preserved His Word in a book that is easier to believe than all the other stuff that we believe that is so much more hard to believe in if you base it on evidence, facts, and logic. It doesn't make sense. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 6. The words of Paul and the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are pure. No. Uh, Psalm 12. Psalm 12. But that's not what it says. The words of the Lord are pure. Psalms chapter 12. Psalm 12. The words of the Lord are pure words. It's His words. Not Paul's words. It's His words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shall keep them. It's funny because it doesn't say the scholars shall keep them. The translators shall keep them. Uh, Paul shall keep them. The first century early church fathers shall keep them. The Bible says thou shalt keep them. My faith is in God. My faith is in God's promise. He promised to keep his words. O Lord, again, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. From this generation, you can use that back then, okay, this right now, and then from this generation. God promised to preserve His Word. It's up to the critic to trade up. And I've yet found anyone to trade up. Second Peter.
2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter two, verse number nine. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Anybody can rebel against authority. The principal underlying toe of this getting away from the King James Bible has to do with anybody can and will rebel against authority it's a book telling you what to do and people don't want that when hurricane katrina hit there were some logically reasoning thinking people that said here's a great idea let's loot riot steal and somehow why would anybody think like that second peter chapter 2 Oh, something tragic hit. Instead of trying to work with the authorities and actually help society in the community, let's just rebel against society. And let's just rebel against the authority. Let's not help. Let's just root and riot. And riot. I'm, I don't follow a lot of politics. I try to get my political information from others. But when this whole thing happened with Kavanaugh and the, the judge thing and all that, it was, it was a group of people trying to bring down a man by destroying his reputation. That's what people do. Where do they get that? Second Peter. How do you get... Look at this in verse number 14. And heart they have exercised with covetous practices. How do you get your heart to the point where you just exercise it to be covetous? It's a wicked thing. I believe it's an authority thing. People loot, riot, rob. They bring violence. They don't build anybody up. And they're never going to build anything. And 
one way to have the biggest building in town is to just move into the town and knock down all the ones that are bigger than yours. It's not a Christian principle, though. It's not a biblical pr principle. The Bible stands. Stop trying to knock it down. Stop trying to tear it down. Just read it, believe it, be subject to it, and have it be your authority. We're a perfect Bible. We're not, if you don't have the King James, you're not saved. That's a heresy. That's error. That's wrong. If I have an NASB or an NIV or an NKJV, and that's the only thing sitting on the... Uh, sitting on the side where I, I got a lost man to, to witness to, guess what I'm doing? I'm opening up that Bible and I'm trying to give that man the best truth that I can. It's not, if you don't have the King James, you can't get saved. That's an error and that's wrong. It's not people that criticize and critique the King James Bible are devil heretics and aren't saved. No, they're just wrong. But they're right about the Gospel. They're right about salvation. They're right about a lot of other Christian things. They're on our side, guys. But on the side of when it comes to God's promise to preserve His Word, they are rebelling against that promise and that authority. They can't trade up. Because they say they all have errors. One of the reasons they attack King James Bible because they hate authority. And rebels do. Criticism is eloquent. I'm not going to spend my ministry trying to talk people out of their faith in the Bible. I want to talk people into you can have absolute faith that what it says in here is true. You can read it. You can believe it. You don't need a priest, a pope, a synod, a presbyter. You have God's word. I'm not going to change that. But they leave you nothing with, 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 to replace it with when they're done the attack. What are you going to trade it for? NIV, New American Standard. New King James, what are you going to trade it for? Well, they all have errors. Mine doesn't. You just think it does. Which, these verses, Psalm 12, Matthew 24. Now, God preserved His Word. He, that's His promise. He preserved His Word. It's easier to believe in the list of things to believe than any of the stuff we mentioned at the beginning of the message. Okay. So, Brother Jim, why are you going through all this? Well, this is one of the first things in our doctrinal statement that as a church, we stand on the authority of God's Word. And we can't change that. We can't alter that. We're not going to make apologies for it. But at the same time, I'm not going to spend my ministry and our church is not going to spend its time criticizing people personally because that's just a waste of time. You preach the Bible, you run across somebody who wants to attack the Bible, you have the conversation with them. I'm not starting blogs about people, okay? I'm not, sending, I'm not creating messages to go, go on a rant and start you know, calling people out. Look, 
stop. All right, we're not in eighth grade. Preach the Bible, read the Bible, believe the Bible, study the Bible. But we're not, I'm not going to get into these personality fights because it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. I mean, you can get YouTube hits. That's fun. But <laughs> Well, now it's likes. You can get Facebook likes. But what's the point? Now, the other thing I'll say is no one is required to bring a King James Bible to church. I'm not going to control people's lives. Bring whatever Bible you want. But only one Bible is going to be preached from. You can't just, you can't just let anything go from the pulpit. You've got to make sure that God's words are being preached. We're not checking Bible versions at the door, guys. Bring people out. Let them visit the church. We're not parking on Bible versions every Sunday. We preach all the counsel of God. And I'm sure you've known people. I've known people. They come and they got a different version every week. And, and you know, the fine. We're not going to tell them they're not saved. We're not going to tell them that they're not welcome here. They are welcome here. They are. We don't want to get into that type of tomfoolery either where we're twisting people's arms. You have to believe how we believe or you can't. Whoa, whoa, man. That's like cult-like. God gives people a choice. How about we do the same? Teach his word, allow the Holy Spirit to work in his heart. All right, well, enough of that. Sometimes people will tell you, if you press them enough, none of the Bibles out there are preserved and are without error. The only true source is the Greek. Okay, well, I don't speak Greek. I'm going to guess you don't speak Greek. And a couple of the critics out there that do speak Greek will beat me in the debate. <laughs> so now I'm left with the same thing I was left with in the Catholic Church, which is the Pope has to speak ex cathedra to give me his word. And so now I'm left, i got to find some scholarly guy that can speak Greek to me so that I can really get God's word. And now I'm left to the same doctrinal heresy that I wanted to get out of in the Roman Catholic Church. How come we can't all read it and believe it? Why do we got to learn a foreign language? The Greek was preserved? Fine. Hebrew was preserved? Fine. Amen. God didn't stop with his power of preserving then. He's got the same power. Most people that say it's in the Greek can't read Greek. Some can well, praise God for it. And we praise God for all that, that went through time. It's, it's great. But now we have God's Word in English. We don't need to go to the Greek. It's going to be the same thing anyway, but none of us read it. Last, uh, as, we, as we start to close, we need to be careful. We're not trusting a preacher. We're not trusting a seminary professor. We're not trusting an evangelist we're not trusting a scholar to translate the greek so that we can finally have something to trust it's going to be the same thing but we've got it we've got it why try to go back 
when we can go forward. No one has the Texas Receptus. No one can bring that to church. We've got divisions in the Bible, chapters, verses. We don't have to read a minuscule. We don't have to read a majuscule on all these things that we'll get into the first of the year when we start doing more series of lessons on these. My allegiance and loyalty is to God. I pray that your allegiance and loyalty is to God. My allegiance and loyalty is to God's word. I want your allegiance and alliance to be loyal to God's word. And the more we get away from that, the more we just start sliding down more slippery slopes. I was brought up in a false religion. Good people, nice people, well-intentioned people. Not bad people. The kind of people, well, most of them, the kind of people you'd leave your kids with. Good people. They were in error. They were wrong. They thought salvation was through something you can work to get to heaven. It's wrong. It's wrong. Our loyalty can't be to how we were brought up, the things we were taught just because we were taught them. You ever hear the story about why the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the new wife um, started cooking ham, this ham for her husband, and she would always cut the ends off the ham. And the husband was very perplexed by this. He thought it was wasting the food, and he couldn't understand, why do you do it that way? Why not just put the whole ham in the oven? And so they had this little tiff on this. And so they went back and she asked her mother and then she asked her grandmother and the grandmother finally, the mother said, well, that's just always the way I've done it. And he asked her grandmother and the grandmother finally said, oh, well, that's how your great grandmother did it. It was because the oven was too small. <laughs> right? But it's just an example of, look, we've always done things the way we've always done them. Why? You know, you just get a kid that comes along and just ask why, 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 why? They want to know why. It's better than just doing what we've always done just because that's the way we've always done it. Amen. Isn't it? Right. Let's get 1 Corinthians 2. I'll wind down. 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Saved men go to the Bible to believe it and trust it. I'm asking you to go to the Bible, believe it and trust it. Lost men go to the Bible to show something wrong with it, to find error with it, to question it. We should not approach the Bible like a lost man. We should not approach the Bible like a natural man. We should allow it to correct us. We should allow it to amend us. We should allow it to change us. 
we shouldn't take the philosophy of a natural man and go to it to correct it. Don't approach it like a lost man. We believe in all the fundamentals of the Christian faith. We all agree. Every Christian agrees. All the fundamentals. Why is it as soon as you say, I believe the King James Bible is God's preserved word. We have it in our hand. We can read it, believe it. We don't have to change it, alter it, and there's no errors in it. Why do they get weird on you and say, well, you're in the cold? Are you there? Are you... No, I just believe we have God's word preserved. What's wrong with that? And then you're supposed to somehow get into scripture ping pong with them and evidence ping pong with them. Why can't we just believe it by faith the same way we believe by faith that we're going to get caught up in the air? Someone says you're in a cult, you usually think there's errors in the Bible. They stand in judgment of the book. And a little bit of pride where they are inferring that they know where the errors are. I did okay in school. The people I'm talking to sometimes that criticize the Bible, I think... I kind of did better than them in school, and I'm not that smart. <laughs> it takes a lot of pride to stand in judgment of God's Word. The guys that speak Greek, the scholars, all those guys, I get that part. <laughs> They're smarter than me. I get it. We shouldn't stand in judgment to God's Word. Psalm 119. We'll finish with this. I got a whole other page of notes, but no sense in rushing through it. Psalm 119, verse number 28. Psalm 119, verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness Strengthen thou me according, check it out, unto thy word. A cult makes decisions for you. A cult requires you to believe the way that they believe or you're out. You know why it's so hard for people to leave Jehovah Witnesses? They're done. Their family is having nothing to do with them. Their friends are having nothing. They're done. Here's where our strength should come from. Strengthen me according to thy word. Our authority should come from God's word. Not from me. It's not a preacher telling you this is what you have to do. Or you... No. Everybody is in subjection to the authority of God's Word. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me, Lord, according to thy Word. Same thing. You're saying, strengthen thou me, Lord, according to thy Word. Well, where is it if it's got errors in it? 
How can we get strength if it has to be corrected? Where is this true power going to come from if there's errors in it? Strengthen thou me, Lord, according to thy word. I've got it. I read it. I can believe it. I can preach it. So can you. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank you. You've given us your word. Thank you for your promise of preserving your word. Lord, help us again to just read it and believe it. Not amend or alter it. Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.